All right, I appreciate that kind uh, <laughs> introduction, Mac. Uh, but there is no lies there. I am a better musician. No, I'm just playing. No, uh, <laughs> no he's <laughs> he is a, a dear friend of mine, and, and I don't think I say this to him often, but I, I really look up to him in, in more ways than one, just as not only being a um, you know, pastor, preacher, teacher, but just as a man, as a father. And so I, I look to him for a lot of guidance from afar, and, and we talk constantly. So I'm, I'm very excited about the um, baby that's on the way, and you guys are joining us, so you will know the joy of, oh joy, so much, so much, so much. Um, but we're going to jump right into the word. I know you guys are walking through uh, the book of Jonah. And so we're going to be in chapter three today. We're going to do our best to see what the Lord has for us in regards to what he's given me and what I want to give to you. That'll help you right wherever you are in your walk in Christ. Amen. So we're in Jonah chapter three. Now the word of the Lord came to Jonah the second time saying, arise, go to Nineveh, the great city and proclaim it and proclaim to it the proclamation, which I'm going to tell you. So Jonah got up and went to Nineveh, according to the word of the Lord. Now Nineveh was an exceedingly large city, a three days walk. Then Jonah began to go through the city one day's walk, and he cried out and said, Forty more days, and Nineveh will be overthrown. Then the people of Nineveh believed in God, and they called a fast and put on sackcloth from the greatest to the least of them. When the word reached the king of Nineveh, he got up from his throne, removed his robe from himself, covered himself with sackcloth, and sat on the dust. He issued a proclamation, and it said, In Nineveh, by the decree of the king and his nobles, no person, animal, herd, or flock is to taste anything. They are not to eat or drink water. But every person and animal must be covered with sackcloth. And people are to call on God vehemently, and they are to turn each one from his evil way and from the violence which is in their hands. Who knows? God may turn and relent and turn from his burning anger so that we will not perish. When God saw their deeds, that they turned from their evil way, then God relented of the disaster which he had declared he would bring on them, so he did not do it. For the time that we're going to walk through this, I just want to title this the second time around, the second time around. Let's bow heads for just a, a quick word of prayer. Lord, we thank you, God, for this time of worship. We thank you for this time of gathering uh, with believers that we can be encouraged, that we can be held accountable, that can, we, we can be convicted in where we are in our walk. I pray right now, God, that the studying, the words that you have given to me to say to your people, God, that it would fall uh, in their hearts, fall on their minds, that they would hear the word of the Lord that it would begin to impact how they live, how they walk, how they live out this gospel that we say is true. We ask these things in your son Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Shaquille O'Neal is probably one of the most dominant basketball players to play in the NBA. He's now a retired player. He's enshrined in the Basketball Hall of Fame. And he plays part with Kenny and Charles and, and Ernie on TNT as an NBA broadcast team. But many moons ago, Shaq was one of the most feared, but at the same time, lovable big men of, of the NBA. Early in his career with much success and him being a phenom, he experienced getting into the NBA Finals in 1995. Him along with another guy you may know by the name of Penny Hardaway met the, the defending champs, Houston Rockets. And unfortunately, Shaq ran into the Nigerian monster, Hakeem the Dream Elijah Wan. And there in that finals, 
Although Shaq, as great as he was, as much as he was tearing down backboards and, and doing things that had not been seen in the NBA since the days of a Kareem or maybe even a Will Chamberlain, he met his match with Hakeem. And they were swept 4-0 in a seven-game series. And after that series, years later, Shaq would always reflect on that and say, the moment of those finals overtook him. That the, the, the fear of playing in such a great game that would determine his career, while at the same time facing argu arguably one of the greatest centers to also play the game, overtook him. And he didn't play the way he needed to. He, he wasn't able to perform at the highest level to compete at the level that he, sh he should have. Shaq always vowed that if he got another opportunity, another chance to return back to the finals, he would dominate and would not allow that situation to overtake him. That second time around came in the year of 2000. Now he's with a new team, the Los Angeles Lakers, with a new set of personnel. But here he is, finds himself in the NBA Finals facing the Indiana Pacers. And Shaq puts up, at the time, historic numbers. 38 points per game, 16 rebounds per game, and he lifts the LA Lakers to a four to two series win over those Pacers. He responded well at that opportunity. It, it made the Lakers a relevant franchise again. They go on to win more uh, championships. The, the, the storied Showtime is back in the NBA. And in our text today, Jonah, like Shaq, received another opportunity to respond differently than before and allow the power and the sovereignty will of God to bring about a change for a certain people group. God uses the obedient response of Jonah to proclaim his truth for the people of Nineveh. No different than you and I, that we, as we respond in obedience to God, that God can use our response to, you, to garner faith in him from the unbeliever and those that are far from God. We find our text in the book of Jonah. Jonah is the son of Amittai. He's a prophet in the day of the nation of Israel under the, the reign of Jeroboam II. And at this time, as we jump into the book of Jonah, it's this historical narrative that gives us a look-see into this, this, this minor prophet's life, but did something very major for the word and for the, 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 the redemptive plan of God. That, that in chapter 1, God tells Jonah to go to Nineveh and proclaim the word of the Lord, and Jonah refuses. And because of his refusal, God sends discipline his way in the form of a fish, that he is now swallowed, he is in the belly of this fish because of his disobedience. But while he was in this fish, Jonah found himself doing something that all of us can learn a lesson from even there is that when we find ourselves in, in disobedience to God, that there's still an opportunity for us to pray. And there in chapter 2, Jonah prays to the Lord. He prays for safety. He prays a prayer of, of repentance, and God's grace and mercy shows up right there in that belly. That God allows him to be spit up, but that's not where the grace and mercy ends. His grace and mercy allows him to get commissioned yet again to do what God originally told him to do in chapter 1. And although this is not necessarily a part of this sermon, it is very much something that we can learn today, that God is the author of a second chance. That even when we don't please God, when we don't do things that God has called us to do, he's still faithful and he's still sovereign. And there is enough grace to allow us another opportunity to live, to be restored, to be rebuilt, to still complete the work that is on our lives. And the first aspect that Jonah responds, he, he hears the word of the Lord again. The, the, the scripture says that now the word of the Lord came to Jonah the second time saying, Arise and go to Nineveh, the great city, and proclaim to it the proclamation which I am going to tell you. 
I think one of the first things we learn about this idea of having a second time around with God is that as servants of the Most High God, he requires our obedience. That God requires our obedience as his servants. Jonah understood that his obedience was important to God and that the grace that was given to him on the ship and in the belly of the fish was literally the catalyst for Jonah's prompt obedience to the second commission. That when we uh, are disobedient to God, that God uses the pain of those moments to then be the fuel and the energy for us to respond in a different way. It's part of the reason Jonah was disobedient the first time around. He was fearful. You remember Jonah heard the word of the Lord. This scripture in chapter 1 wastes no time. Jonah hears what God tells him to do, and he's on another bus to a whole other area of town. That the level of fear that was in his heart of trying to uh, do this momentous and grand call of going to talk to people in a foreign land who were far from God. The, the Ninevites were, were people who were part of the Syrian empire. They had no idea or even wanted to know who God was. But also, because, because Jonah also felt like the, the people of Nineveh didn't deserve the forgiveness and the joy of knowing God. When, when, when we act like Jonah did, when we respond to what God is calling us to in fear, or we attempt to know the mind of God, we always end up on the side of error. What God has called us to in our walk and what he's called us to specifically in this room, when we begin to use fear, we let doubt to seep in, or we, are, we try to get into the mind of God, it, it, it takes us to an area that we should not be. So many times we get caught up in the how, the when, the where, instead of saying yes in obedience and walking by faith. Jonah shows us at the top of, of Jonah 3 that what he did in Jonah 1 wasn't what we need to be doing. That honestly, when God says go to Nineveh, that is what you do. You stand up, you walk by faith, and you trust God and be obedient to him. Because we know God will not only give us instruction, but through the power of the Holy Spirit, he'll strengthen us to complete and live out this calling on our lives. Jonah realized that, that though the city of Nineveh was great in size, the God that kept him while he was in the belly of the fish will also deliver him while he's doing work for him in this grand place that has no idea of who God is. As a servant of the triune God, he requires our obedience because he ultimately handles all of the heavy lifting. God is not asking us to respond to him and then also do the work. No, God is saying, I need your yes and I need your feet because I have work to, for you to do that I'm doing through you. At the power of the Holy Spirit, it strengthens us to complete the work and the heavy lifting is done by God and we are called to do as believers and the specifics of all of our walks. All of our walks look different right now. There are some general things that the scripture has told us to do, but there are some specific calls to you and where you are in your life. And God is asking that you respond to him with obedience. He wants you to look not at the fearful Jonah, but at the Jonah in chapter 3 that says, I can do this. Not because of me, but because of the God that I serve. Case in point, the text says that Jonah got up and went to Nineveh. Because of its vastness, scholars say that the city uh, was so big that it was a three to four day walk from one end to the city to the next. And I can just imagine that as Jonah finally responded, he said, okay, God, I'm going to do this. He's on his journey. He's walking, and he gets to the city, and then he sees how great the city is, and I'm pretty sure old Jonah began to rise up, that his mind went back to the original commission that God gave him, and he said, on second thought, I don't, I don't really believe that I can do that. And for many of us, that's the question. That, that's really the thoughts in our minds. It, it's easy to say yes, but it's even harder to be obedient as you get into the work. 
Right? I love my children. I, I love my wife. And, and it's a beautiful picture of God's gospel. But as I get into the work of trying to lead and, and love my wife sacrificially, as I get into the work of trying to build my children, moments of disobedience can rise because the task is so great. And Jonah is looking at this city. It's three days of a walk. It's vast. It's beautiful. It's huge. But Jonah, while making his way, thinking on how he would proclaim the message to this huge city, he would have to stop and gather here. He's already thinking of all the work that he would have to do. This great city God's sending me to say this message is so huge. i got to stop here. I'm going to have to go preach here. I need to talk to see. No, God had him there one day, and he began to cry out the word of the Lord. And it didn't take long to draw out the very thing that this elaborate plan that God had gave him. It, it wasn't this long, you know, elaborate like you need to go. No, he said, I need you to go to Nineveh. And a lot of times we make the job harder when God only wants our will and he wants our heart to do the hard work. And when Jonah went in there, he, he went against the grain. He, he, he didn't have to go from this end to the city. No, God allowed him to cry out there. And it was Jonah responding by going in obedience and doing what the Lord said do. The power of God did all the work to convict the hearts and the minds and the people of Nineveh. That it wasn't that Jonah had this elaborate message. It wasn't that he took them through this deep Bible study. No, he did what God told him to do, and God did the rest. Because let's be honest, he could have done all of that, and those people would have ignored him. It's only by the power of God that these things can change. It's only by the power of God that people that are connected to you, that are far off from God, will know the power of God through your obedience. Many times what God is asking us of us or calling on us is not some grandiose thing. It's the simple things that he wants to empower us to do, which grows our faith and builds us as mature believers. Our obedience is not only a blessing to us, but also to others. Luke 11:28 reminds us says that blessed are those who hear the word and follow it. That Jonah heard the word of the Lord and followed by moving his feet and getting active in what God called him to do. Our obedience should be more than just a theological debate that we're willing to engage in. Our obedience has to be more than understanding the scriptures to, to, to the deepness of what it is. Those things are great, but God requires that what we know flows out through how we obey what he's called us to do. The prophet was blessed because he heard the word of the Lord and was obedient to follow it, not to stray to the right or the left. We, we are blessed when we, through obedience, live out the word of God. I, I'm a teacher. Um, that's what I do Monday through Friday, and I have the opportunity to teach kids as a band director. And I have a student right now that the Lord has placed in, in, on my path. He's a, a junior. His name is Joshua Smith. Joshua comes from a very trivial background. Um, uh, I, I find myself taking him home after percussion ensemble rehearsals, jazz band rehearsals, uh, marching band rehearsals. It, it's just a thing. Everybody knows. Rehearsal's over. Josh is waiting in my office. We clean up. We get in the car. And through this, we've developed such a deep relationship. He, he's, he's opened up to me about different fears and, and frustrations and, and things that are keeping him very bound to the point where me and my wife make it a daily and weekly thing to pray for him, to provide whatever it is needed in that time. But there have been times that the Lord is asking me to say things to him and speak to him in lieu of the scriptures. And honestly, I'm debating with God. I'm using useless reasoning about maybe the time isn't right. Give me another week. He's a teenager guy right now. Let me just kind of be there and talk to him through these things. But God is not concerned uh, with my fears on talking to this young man. 
God has placed inside of me the truth of the scripture and now wants me to use that for a specific student in my classroom. The Lord brings these opportunities and calls up again, and I have to respond different. I can't continue to have this person in my presence that the Lord has placed here sovereignly that he may hear truth. And because of fear, because of a lack of understanding or, or knowing the way that all of this is going to work, that I'm responding differently. No, as Jonah did, arise and go. I need to be more bold. I need to be more intentional and think and know that the strength and trust that I have in knowing God, that he's calling me to do this, that he's not going to leave me alone. He will use my willing obedience as a source to accomplish his will in this child's life. That the more that I'm willing to be obedient, the more that this child is able to learn more about a God and less about a situation that may be plaguing him. Just like as a father, I said before, and a husband in my home, God has wanted me to be obedient to the call of loving my wife. As Christ loved the church daily, as believers are called to love our neighbors uh, as ourselves so that people that work with us on our jobs, people that know us in the public square, people that see us out in culture can respond to what they see in us and even the very sin that God is calling us to repent from in our own lives, that we are obedient in our response because God gives grace and the power to do it. There was grace given to Jonah. There was power given to Jonah as he walked into Nineveh. Jonah also reminds us that our obedience is not only just for ourselves, but it's for others. In the text, we see him answer the call and do what the Lord has commissioned him to do. Jonah's obedience was a blessing for the people of Nineveh. That, that's, that's where we, we transition. He goes to Nineveh. He, he, he preaches and proclaims 40 more days, and Nineveh will be overthrown. And because of his obedience, this is what we get. Our obedience to God will help those who are far from God come to know Christ. Our obedience to God will help those who are far from God come to know Christ. That's, that's, that's what God called Jonah to do in the beginning of this whole book, when we look into the life of his ministry, God commissions Jonah to go and deliver a message to people that don't know him. And his obedience was for his growth and his development and for his strength and growing in God, but his obedience was also a sign for those that don't know the Lord. Jonah proclaimed the word of the Lord by declaring this judgment coming towards Nineveh. It's possibly one of the shortest sermons but ever, but very powerful. <laughs> because Jonah obeyed the Lord and followed the directions of the Lord. And what we see next in the text is nothing short of a miracle, right? Because verse 5 says the people believed. The people of Nineveh believed in God. Notice it did not take weeks. It did not take months. There is not this long journey through Scripture where we see different people coming to faith and then these people coming. No, it says that the people of Nineveh believed in God. If that's not anything to shout about, I don't know what it is, that the fact that if we just obey God, if we just follow God, if we just listen to what God is calling us to do, if we respond properly to what God is calling us to do, what happens is people will come to know Jesus. So many times we get caught up in the, in the, in the details because it, it keeps us from having to do the hard work of following Jesus. We'd rather send somebody a, a Bible study. We'd rather sit and have a theological debate. But people that want to know a real God are not willing to see you debate them over theological truths, but you're unwilling to follow it the way in your life. People don't necessarily want to hear so much about this God that you're unwilling to obey in real time. Because people respond better to actions than they do words. 
And these actions, the action of Jonah is that he went to this city against his fears, against trying to figure out the plan of God, and he gave gospel truth by saying, hey, 40 days. And those people heard the word of the Lord, and they responded. Now, here's Nineveh, a city of people. I told you the great Assyrian empire is with this grand city. They got a grand army. This city features all the worldly comforts of the day. And the conclusion of Jonah's short and simple message, they believed in God. Didn't take long. It, it, it wasn't this drawn-out thing. They believed in God, and then they began to fast and put on sackcloth. This idea of putting on the sackcloth is taking the spirit of one of, of one who is, is, is needy or poor and, and humble. They understood that from what Jonah told them that they were in a, a divert situation, that they were in need of great help. And, and when Jonah responds to what God has called him to do, the people, God did all of that work. All he had to do was proclaim. And God did the actual lifting. We miss the power of God moving because we don't understand the magnitude when we as believers live out accordingly to what God has called us to. I think there's a great answer and message in what it means to just live and walk in the ways that God has called us to walk. That there's power in that. I know we don't think that there's power in that. I know I said the same thing. When I'm talking to my student and I am trying to help him better understand life through the lens of Scripture, when I'm telling him about God and how we should live with integrity, I don't think that that's what it is. But as I'm telling him and I'm also living those things out before him, it takes root. And here is what we miss. We miss that God's power is not only in what we proclaim, but also in how we live out what we proclaim. That God has called us as Christians... For those that are fickle in the faith or those that don't know God at all because they, they don't want to believe in him, our, our power is to help those afar. Not how much we know of the scripture, yes, that is helpful. Not about the deepness of the theological uh, topics that we know. That, those things are helpful and they will be useful in time. But it's truly the obedience to God that shows our knowledge of scripture in action and illustrates our theological stances for those who are in unbelief. Jonah's obedience to proclaim the word of the Lord not only affected the common folk, but it all went up to the king. We, we see right after this, it says, they believed in God, they put on sackcloth, they, they, the, from the greatest to the least of them. That means from the highest uh, uh, of the family to the lowest of the low. But then the word reached the king of Nineveh, that this message, this short, simple, clear message that was preached, not only met the people, but it got all the way to the king. That the king of this great city heard about the movement of God happening in Nineveh. How crazy is that? This city that takes three to four days to walk, that it is just a, a grand place to be, that the king sitting up high, I'm sure, not worried about anything. He got everything he needs, but he hears a move of God happening. A move of God happening in his city that causes him to say, i got to come off my throne. I need to take off my robe. I'm going to do the same thing here. And watch this. The king then goes on and says, no one will eat or drink, not even the animals. That the move of God was so serious here. I want you to get this, that the, that the, the animals, the king said the animals not eating around here. We are serious about what's happening. you got to see this is a wicked, evil place. People are not worshiping God. They're worshiping idol gods. They're doing whatever under the sun that they want to do. And because Jonah responded to God in obedience, the blessing on his life was that it was preserved, that God could use him to bless other people. And I think what we miss is that we want to meet people where they are, but God is saying, if you would just be obedient, I can meet them where they are. Because that's what God did. God met that king on that throne. 
God did not need Jonah to go in and plant a church. He didn't need him to go in and build a leadership team. He didn't need him to go in and, and minister to the poor. He said, listen, go proclaim my word, and I will move on my behalf. That the people believed in God. That when we look back on the grace of who God is, where Jonah denied this opportunity for these people, that Jonah turned away from God, got on another ship with somewhere else, but God still used him, and that these people's lives were saved. King removed all of these things. He came away from himself. He put in a decree that they were to fast from food. Not only were they to fast, but then he tells them, I want you to turn from evil. Stop the wickedness in your hands. And I want you to serve God passionately. How crazy is that? When I read this, I was just blown. I, I was just like, how crazy is that Jonah says this short, simple thing of what God is getting ready to do? And in that, the king says, not only will I believe in God, but we are going to, as a nation, as a, as a city, stop the wickedness. That the evil that is happening in your hands will stop. That's the power that we have as people of God. That's the power that you have. That the Holy Spirit on the inside of you has enough power to make the wickedness and the evil stop in this world. And I, I, I'm just a firm believer that the more that I'm obedient, God help me see this even for my children. I pray every week for my children. I pray that they would, that God would allow them to accept the gospel and, and all of these things. And I pray and I'm praying. And, and, and when you think about your children, you think about a day when you're not going to be here. You think about the days when you won't be in their faces. They won't be just upstairs for you to call them down. And it brings a lot of fear in my heart. But what I had to do and what the Lord helped me to see, he says, I want you to continue in prayer. But I also want you to model obedience in front of your children. When I read this scripture, I said, I have to respond much like Jonah did, even in moments of fear, even in moments of anxiety, because just like the word moved from the, the lowliness of people to the high-class families all the way to the throne to the king, the word of God, the obedience that they see can move into their hearts like that. Scripture doesn't tell us that Jonah preached three or four times. It says he proclaimed the word of God and they believed in God. This is such a miraculous picture of the power of God in the lives of unbelievers that in an instant, everything can change. You know why we, we, we find so much joy in this? Because that same instance that these people found God and changed their lives, we did too. That there was something that we were doing. There was something that we believed in. There were wickedness in our hands. There was evil in our heart that God stopped as soon as we accepted Christ. That the same power that has been given to us, the same joy that we find in Jesus, that the very things that we once found pleasurable are no longer. The evil has stopped because of the power of the word of God. And when we obey the word of God, when we live out what God has called us to do in our lives, when we live out to look more like Jesus every day, and watch this, that we answer some of the specific calls on your lives. Whatever God has called you to, people that he's called you to, relationships, broken things, broken people, broken situations, that God is wanting to use you, we see the blessing that it creates this miraculous change in people. 1 Corinthians 15 and 58 says, Therefore, my beloved brothers and sisters, be firm, immovable, always excelling in the work of the Lord, knowing that your labor is not in vain. Our work as obedient servants is never in vain as the Lord will use it to tool and spark minds and convict hearts with power towards his gospel message found in Jesus Christ. 
Jonah's not the, the only one. We see Moses responded properly. And because of his response and his proclaiming of what God wanted Pharaoh to do, God freed the people of Israel, the, the, the nation, from bondage. Paul responded too. Paul was doing evil work in the name of persecuting and murdering and killing Christians. And on the Damascus Road, Paul responded to an encounter with the living God. And that encounter, that, that obedience that Paul displayed to now take a, a walk from persecuting to helping people pursue Jesus, helped the Gentiles come to know Jesus in a real way. The Lord wants us to know that Jonah's lack of obedience in chapter 1 was also because he didn't value the people of Nineveh. And I want to pause here because I want us to get this, that, that, that Jonah's fear was one thing, but it was also that he didn't, he didn't value those people. That when we walk opposite of what God has called us to, knowing that God has called us to go ye therefore and make disciples, it says something about how we feel about people. It, it, it says maybe I want God for myself, but I don't, I don't really care to give it to anybody else. Jonah left in chapter 1 and went to a whole other area because he was not concerned with helping those people. But watch what God does. God even though he goes far away from God, God goes and pursues him, delivers him so that he can go and now see the same deliverance that God gave to me, the same forgiveness that I got, the same grace that was given to me is not only available, but because I have this great gift, I need to give it to other people. That, that I need to obey God so that what was granted to me, I can give to someone else through the power of the Holy Spirit and let them know that it's available. So the same grace that Jonah received, he took that and went to Nineveh so that they could receive the same grace. Because we see later, after they did all of these things, every animal, they went on a fast, they stopped what they were doing. Who knows? Verse, verse 9 says, who knows? May God, God may turn and relent and turn from his burning anger so that we will not perish. And because God saw their hearts, because God saw their deeds and that they were turning, that they truly repent, they weren't just sorrowful, but they turned away from what they were doing, he did not destroy them. That that's what's available. That God's grace is not just for those uh, that are in the work, but even those that are outside of the work. There's a level of common grace that God gives the world that we that have this salvation through Jesus Christ need to go and be obedient to the calls on our lives and be obedient to the call to live as Christ wants us to live. God was sovereign and gracious enough to present him another opportunity to be used. Just as sovereign will was for the people of Nineveh to repent and believe. Our obedience to God should be from a place of understanding his grace and mercy towards us. I want to believe that Jonah responded better in obedience this second time because he realized how real the grace and mercy God gave to him. That's, that's what I want to believe. I want to, I want to believe that when we walk through seasons and moments where we don't respond to what God is calling us to do, where we don't live consistently the way God has called us to live, that as he allows us to feel and see the grace and mercy that's given to us every day, that it's new every morning, but not only that it's new, but that God is still willing to use you, even though just yesterday there was something that you didn't answer the bell to. Just last week there was something that you refused to do. Just a month ago there was something that because of where you were, how you felt, the fear that was on the inside, you, you didn't respond and answer what God was calling us to. And what Jonah shows us is that if you're willing to, 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 Take in what God has called you to do. 
that God is faithful enough to use you. And our obedience, because it impacts how we see other people that don't know God and the compassion they have for us. I'm, I'm, I'm really glad that as I read Jonah, not only do we have other examples of these pieces, people in Scripture, but honestly, and, and, and to God be the glory, Jesus is the greatest example. He's one who was obedient to God the Father and what he was sent here to do, and that he was obedient all the way to the cross, being the ultimate sacrifice on Calvary, which changed the trajectory of the entire cosmos. Jesus is a better Jonah. He's a, he's a greater example of what our obedience means to those that are, that are far from God, but because God is sovereign, still has the opportunity to know them, know him rather, through our obedience. Jesus comes along, and, and the, God the Father sends him here to be the ultimate sacrifice, to build a bridge for the world. Those that are in unbelief, all of us that are stuck in our sins and stuck in our, our works-based ideas of how to gain access to God, Jesus comes and does it from Jump Street. He, he, he doesn't need another commission. He doesn't need another opportunity. Jesus says, I'm here. I'm going to complete this work, and I'm going to do what needs to be done. And I'm going to be a blessing for those that don't know my father. So where we stand today in our walk, no matter where that is, know that obedience must be your answer. I, I, I don't want you to find fear in, in anything. I don't want you to be anxious for anything. I want you to find joy in the scriptures today. That when Jonah responded in the matter that we should as slaves to Christ, as servants to the Most High, what happens is people catch on fire for God. That's what our obedience does. It not only strengthens uh, uh, us as believers, it not only builds us up, but it builds our testimony. It, it gives those that don't know the Lord, those that are struggling in their faith, it gives them a, a real picture. It may not make sense to them. They may not fully understand what's in the scriptures yet, but if they see us walking in, if, with the Spirit and walking in the ways of God, then that allows God to do the supernatural. The very thing that we see in the scripture, it says that the people of Nineveh believed in God, that there are people in your life, there are people that we know, that the more we trust God, the more that we walk according to the ways God has called us to, the more we respond in faith by letting our feet do the moving and not letting our brain cause us to be paralyzed or our fear to cause us to be still, but that our faith that has come alive in us because of Jesus Christ will also make us move with fervor and energy towards the things that, yes, is scary, towards conversations that, yes, is hard, toward mending things that, yes, can be awkward and uneasy. But God is not calling us so we can do the work. He did not call Jonah for him to do the work by himself. He called Jonah to be a tool, to be used, to help fix broken people. And that's where we are today. That, that's, that's what I want you to get, that the Lord is calling you specifically to some specific things in your walk for people that he's placed in your sphere of influence, and he's called us collectively as the body, as the church, to obey him so that the world that doesn't know him will see us and want to know what more needs to be done, that the power of God can come down, and that they too can repent the way we have, that those enemies are, that, that, that the enemies of God, those that are far from him, can be brought to repentance and faith through our living and walking by faith in obedience to a life-saving triune God. Let's bow our heads for a word of prayer.